Ephesians 1 verse 4 says like this, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. I'll read that again. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. You know, this church started out of a Bible study, a very spontaneous Bible study. Back in 2000, I believe it was 2013, 2014, you know, we were a couple of friends who were just meeting up just to hang out. And one day we decided, you know, since we are anyways hanging out, why don't we spend some time in prayer? And so we spent some time in prayer. Then the next week when we met, we were like, you know, we prayed. You know, why don't we spend some time in just learning the Bible together? And that started a Bible study. And we started a Bible study, which actually, there were three people. Me, there was a friend of mine, and I think, I believe it was Jaren. Three of us, we just started a Bible study. God, only God knows how that grew. Uh, we became 20 people in a year's time. But... You know, I'm not talking about the numbers, but we started the Bible study reading the book of Ephesians. Reading the book of Ephesians. It took us one and a half year to finish the book of Ephesians. Six chapters because we were reading verse by verse. Right? I've never studied the book of Ephesians. I might have read the book of Ephesians, but that was the first time when I actually started studying the book of Ephesians. Right? When I read this verse, even as he chose us in him, man, blew my mind. He chose me. Huh? He chose us. He chose us. When did he choose us? Before the foundations of the world. Meaning, before Genesis 1 verse 1 happened, you and me were there. Huh? We had to be there, right? For us, for us to be chosen. Before Genesis 1 verse 1 says, in the beginning God created, you were there before the beginning. Huh? How, how were we there before the beginning? Because we were chosen in God. Because God was there before the beginning. We are chosen in God. Before the foundations of the world. Now let me ask you something. When God chose you, didn't he know your weaknesses? When God chose you, didn't he know all the sinful actions that you would do? When God chose you, did he not know your habits? But he still chose you. What, what, what does that say about God? He saw my good, he saw my bad, he saw my ugly and then more ugly. But he still chose me. What does that say about God? He saw something in us which is beyond our understanding and imagination. He saw something in us. Okay? And that is what I want to share. Why did God choose us? He chose us before the foundation of the earth. He knew that Adam was going to sin, but he still chose him. He knew that Adam was going to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil and say, God, I don't want to be in this relationship. I reject you. But he still chose him and he said, hey, I love you. The door is open, but I still choose to love you. One-sided love. Huh? One-sided love. 
love can be complete one sided like he is not in a hurry or he does not feel insecure god does not feel insecure if we don't love him back like i'll give you the time i'll give you eons after eons huh centuries after centuries but i'll still love you i'll pursue you with my love i have chosen you i've chosen you so that i can love you see this verse says even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless see my understanding of holiness is not to sin how many of you used to think that holiness means not to sin huh but you know holiness has nothing to do with sin did you know that i did not know that holiness has nothing to do with sin i did not know that you know what holiness means holiness means being set apart say with me what is holiness being set apart see in your house you have all kinds of utensils there are some utensils that with which you cook but with your cooking utensils are not the ones that you keep on the table for serving there are separate utensils that are set apart there are separate utensils that are set apart in the cupboard that never show their faces right because our parents are thinking one day some guest will come probably the prime minister will come and we'll open those utensils right the certain utensils that are just set apart what, what do they mean that it means they are special they are class apart when god chooses he chooses to be class apart to be special it has nothing to do with sin i don't i'm not trying to say you know i'm not trying to dilute the understanding that you know you should oh you can be holy and sin and that is not what i'm trying to say i'm saying it is beyond the concept of sin it is beyond the concept of just doing good stuff god has set us apart so that he can love us i have set you apart so that i can love you i have made you special i've chosen you for a purpose so that i can love you i can love you in such a unique manner you know god loves us uniquely do you know that Amen. you know and and i'm telling you if you start comparing your life with somebody else you will get offended because god loves you uniquely we can't compare our journeys with each other we can't because all of our journeys are so unique and god has dealt with us so uniquely Amen. So he chose us. When did he choose us? Before the foundations of the earth to be holy and blameless. Now, who chose you? God chose you. Who chose you, guys? But I thought we choose God. Aren't we supposed to choose God? Huh? Aren't we supposed to make that big decision of choosing God? we chose god or god chose us we chose god or god chose us god chose us see see guys this is one illustration that i received and it completely changed my outlook towards looking at god the illustration is when i was a child and if i had to cross the road my dad would hold my hand you know why why my dad would hold my hand because i'm a child right i can let go of my hand 
and I can wander off in the streets and get hit by a truck, right? So my dad would hold my hand, and there's more security in that. But then as I grew older, huh, dad, you don't need to hold my hand. I can do this by myself, right? That's how we think our Christian life is. We start by letting God hold our hands. Now we are completely secured in God holding our hands. And then we think we become spiritually matured and we're like, God, I can do this on my own. See, I'm telling you guys, in the kingdom, maturity is to be childlike. If you can see yourself as a baby and you can see yourself as that baby who is walking on the road where God is holding your hand, you're not holding on to God's hand, but God is holding on to your hand. You'll be more secure. You know why? Because if you are holding on to God's hand, there's always this, there's always this opportunity where you can let go of his hand and say, you know, I can do this on my own. Because we we are such, you know, emotionally driven, so many, so so much driven people that our life goes high and low, right? All the time. So when we, there are times, there are moments when we don't want God, we can say, you know, God, I don't need you. But today, the assurance is, you did not choose God, God chose you. You're not the one holding on to him, God is the one holding on to you. See, in John chapter 15, verse 16, Jesus says this powerful thing to his disciples. Hey guys, you think you chose me, you did not choose me, I chose you. And I want to assure this into your life, guys. You did not choose God. God chose you. You just said yes to him. You just said yes to the invitation that he had already given. We can only respond. That's the best that we can do. We can only respond. You know, the best worship that we can do is response. There is no better worship than saying, thank you, Father, for all that you have done. There is nothing that we can initiate on our own. There is no prayer that we can start on our own. Everything that flows automatically, that flows spontaneously from us, the purest form of prayer, the purest, pro the purest form of worship is a response in saying, Daddy, you love me. I thank you. I love you because you love me. So the question today, guys, is not... Did you choose God? The question today is, do you know that God chose you? See, Luke 15, Jesus tells a story of a shepherd who loses a sheep. Huh? He loses a sheep. And the shepherd, he leaves the 99 in the wilderness. Funny thing, he does not leave them in safety. He leaves them in the wilderness, in the open ground, goes for that one sheep, gets that one sheep and comes back. But Jesus says, if any one sinner repents, okay, if any one sinner repents, if even one sinner repents, there's more rejoicing in heaven. That's, that is what Jesus says, right? Now tell me something, how did the sheep repent? Who was the one who found him? Shepherd, shepherd found him, right? Who was the one who took him back? Shepherd. The shepherd took him back. How did the sheep repent? In fact, who put, who, who, who got lost? The sheep got lost. Whose mistake was it? It was the sheep's mistake. The shepherd went ahead, 
searched for him, found him, got him back. And and Jesus says, if a sinner repents, there's more rejoicing in heaven. How did he repent, man? Because all this while, our understanding of repentance is, oh, Jesus, forgive me, forgive me for this, forgive me for that, forgive me for that bad thought, forgive me because I shot that cat, forgive me. You know, we're thinking so much, we think that repentance is all of this thing. Sorry, I did not shoot any cat. <laughs> okay, we think repentance is this, right? That we have to do something. Then there will be rejoicing in heaven. Oh, only if I have prayed for 40 days, right? Only if I've done things right. Only if I've become part of all the Bible studies, all the prayer meetings, then somehow there's rejoicing in heaven. But here, Jesus is saying, it was a sheep who got lost. The shepherd goes, finds him, finds him, gets him back to safety. And Jesus says, if any sinner repents. How did the sinner repent? You know how the sinner repented? The sheep just allowed Jesus to carry him. How did the sheep repent? The sheep allowed the shepherd to carry him. When the shepherd found him, sheep did not say, I don't want to come. He just allowed the shepherd, okay, shepherd, I need you. Get me back to safety. I trust you. That is what repentance is. I trust you. I'm allowed, I'm, I, I give you permission to carry me. I give you permission to carry me. Guys, God has chosen you. God has chosen you to be holy and blameless so that he can love you uniquely. Will you give the permission to love him? Will you give the permission so that he can love you more? Will you give the permission so that he can carry you back into safety? It's not you who's trying to figure this out. You know, religion will tell you, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. Then probably we might think about you being saved. Huh? Then finally, maybe you have some hope on the judgment day. And God will look at all the sins that you have done. An angel is there making all records of everything that you have done. Probably a DVD will be shown of all the things that you have done in your hiding. Joel does not want even to talk about it. Right? I'm just saying, think about it. Then probably you have hope. But my Jesus gospel is not that. He says, hey guys, if you believe in me, just believe in me. Because I am the one who has chosen you. I am the one who has chosen you. Let me show you a verse. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 8. Who will sustain you to the end? Did you hear that? Who will sustain you to the end? Who is this who? God. God will sustain you to the end. Guiltless. Say with me. Guiltless. Absolutely guiltless. As white as snow. Who will sustain you? God will sustain you. Guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, I'm not saying, you know, go and sin, lead a sinful life. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you want to live a guiltless life. Only God can do that in your life. Only God can sustain you. You cannot do this. You cannot do this. You cannot do this in your own strength. You cannot do this in your own might. 
Only God can do this. Now, how will God do this? Let me show you. I, I have good news for you, okay, guys? Good news, good news. Same chapter, verse 26. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. For consider your calling. Brothers and sisters, for consider your calling. Not many of you were wise. Okay? Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. How many of you think that you're not wise according to worldly standards? Raise your hands, guys. Raise it high. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Yeah? Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. And there was no, you don't come from a royal lineage. Huh? Verse 27. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. What did God do? He chose the foolish in the world to shame the wise. How many of you, you think you're foolish? Good news for you. Okay. How many of you think you're weak? Good news for you. Next. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Wow. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are. Man. So that no human being, say with me, so that no, no human being might boast in the presence of God. Do you know why God chose you? So that you can never say, I did this of my own strength. God, I finally chose you. I finally found you. I finally am so guiltless and so blameless that I can stand in front of you in my own might and strength. Purely standing in the grace of God. Purely standing. That's the good news, guys. You don't have to strive. Are you foolish? Are you weak are you low are you despised are you rejected man my goodness there's good news for you he has chosen you specifically to shame the wise of the world he has chosen you specifically to shame the strong of the world he has chosen you then read with me verse 29 okay so that no human being might boast in the presence of god verse 30 and because of him. Who is him? God. Okay, because of God. And because of God, you are in Christ Jesus. Say with me. Because of God, I am in Christ Jesus. Okay, I'm not in Christ Jesus because of my works. I'm not in Christ Jesus because I am a good person. I'm not in Christ Jesus because of all the good things that I've done. It is because of God, I am in Christ Jesus. And then he says, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. Does that make sense? We were chosen by God in Christ Jesus. Chosen by God in Christ Jesus. And now this Christ has become our wisdom, our sanctification, and our redemption. See, a lot of times... You know, we don't have the confidence to come in the presence of God because we think that we are not good enough. We are not holy enough, right? Let Christ be your measuring tool. 
Let Christ become your measuring in instrument. Don't look at yourself and say, oh, I'm not enough. Look at Christ and say, I am enough because I am in Christ. God has chosen me in Christ. It's not about us. It's not about all the good things that we can do. It is about God choosing me to be in Christ. Let me show you one more verse. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, For we are His workmanship. It's so interesting. It does not say we are our workmanship. It says we are His workmanship. Masterpiece. We are His masterpiece. Created in... Man, you were created in Christ Jesus. See, you did not... You were not in Christ Jesus the day you accepted Jesus. Do you know that? You were created in Christ Jesus. That's why you accepted Jesus. If you were not created in Christ Jesus, you would never be able to accept. You would never be, you will never have the strength or even the power to make that decision that I would need Jesus. You decided to say yes to Jesus because you were created in Jesus. God did his work first. We respond. See, we think when we read John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It's all about me. I need to believe in him. Guys, you can only believe because he created you in Christ first. You are in Christ first. Who did that? God did that. Now believe. See, the good news is not if you believe you will go to heaven. The good news is Believe because you are in Christ. That's the gospel. Believe because God has already reconciled you. Believe because God has already saved you. He has died for you on that cross. Now believe. It's not because of your belief that Jesus will now, oh, he believed in me. Okay, he also believed in me. He also believed in me. Okay, I'll die for three people. He did not do that. He died for entire humanity. Because he died, we believe. Our belief comes later. It's a response. It's a response to what God has done. So what does he say? For we are his workmanship, masterpiece, okay? Created in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. Guys, that's the key. Created in Christ Jesus. For what? For good works. For good works. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared before. Come on guys, read this. Which God prepared? Before. So who created these good works? <laughs> but I thought I am doing the good works. I thought I am helping the poor. I thought I am the one who is doing ministry and suffering for God. But this says that you were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What is our responsibility is to walk in the good works that God has already done beforehand. Any good work that you and me are doing is something that God has already prepared. We are just walking in them. See, we are not the ones who's, who are making the movie of our lives. God has already made the movie. He has given us a script also. We are just walking in them. The script has been decided, guys. You know that? The script is decided. You have won the victory. You are one with him. It's a done deal. You don't have to worry about that. You walk in what God has created you for. See, 
This verse says, for we has masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works. You know what? You know what, guys? We think that we have to do good to become good. How many of you have been there? Oh, I need to do good to become good. I need to do this to become righteous. I need to do this to become holy. But you know, the gospel is, guys, do good works. You know why? Because you are good. Do good works because you are righteous. You're not doing good works to become good. You are doing good because you are good. Do you see the difference? You see the difference? Huh? One is, I need to do this so that I can become this. But one is, you're already this, so do this. You're already a royalty, so act like royalty. Huh? You're already a king's son and a daughter, so act like king's son and daughter. You're already conformed to the image of Christ, so act like him. You are not trying to become like him. You're already like him, so walk. Walk. Walk in the good works that God has prepared beforehand. Let me show you one more verse. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as that's the part where we miss we only take therefore be imitators of God right we have to imitate God I have to mimic him how can I mimic him uh, can, I, can you mimic God by your own strength by your own efforts we will fail miserably but the key is therefore be imitators of God as what as beloved children. What does that mean? What does that mean? As beloved children. Because you are the child of God, because you are created in the image of God, you have everything that it takes. The, there's a God component in you which can enable you to imitate God. There's a God component in you. See, guys, I told you, God saw your ugly, God saw your stupidity, God saw your everything, and he, said, and he still said, I choose you. You know why? Because he saw that you were created in the image of God, and he trusted in what he has done. He knows what he has done. He doesn't do an incomplete job. He does not do an unfinished job. He does not do an imperfect job. Does God do an imperfect job? Huh? His job is perfect, right? If we are his masterpieces, think about it. See, when you look into the mirror, you might see a lot of issues with yourself. And those issues are there, okay? We're not ignoring that. But you need to trust God that he is the one who has chosen you. He will fix them also. He will get it right. That's why Paul says in Philippians 1.6, he who started the Good work in you will perfect it. He will perfect it. Don't try to perfect it by yourself. Oh, I need to do this. I need to fix my anger issue. I need to fix my, uh, I need to fix my issue with my food. You know, I'm hogging always. I need to fix this. I can't sleep. You don't have to fix this. Trust God and he will fix it for you. Trust God. He'll fix it for you. He's already working in you. And that's why he chose you. He chose you before the foundation of the world. I'm almost to the end, okay? I want you to think about this. 
Jesus goes to Peter and Andrew. Peter and Andrew are fishermen, uneducated people, the discarded of the world. They were, they probably would have just studied basics of school. They probably did not complete high school. They were not, they could not go for higher education because they were uneducated. So they were discarded from the school and they, you know, they were told, you know, you go do your father's business, whatever your family business is, you continue with that. There was those guys, right? And these guys would see these people who were getting educated. Huh? Because in Israel, if you had to get educated, you had to memorize the entire Old Testament. Entire Old Testament. You need to know scripture by scripture, verse by verse. Uh, if I say Isaiah 54, 8, they, they will quote. So these guys, their friends, you know, whom they studied with, they were doing education after education. And they would find themselves rabbis whom they could be disciples. Because becoming a disciple was a big deal. It's like studying in Oxford or Harvard. Big deal. Becoming a disciple. Becoming a disciple of a rabbi. Because a rabbi is a special person. Rabbis are not ordinary teachers, okay? Ordinary teachers are those like pastors, you know, they will teach you, shepherds. But rabbis were special teachers. Special teachers because they were known to be appointed by God. They had some special ability. Most rabbis were known for their healing. You know, they were known as healers. They could heal. So Jesus as a rabbi healing was not a new thing for Israelites. Rabbis were known as healers. So influential people, so these disciples, you know, who had completed their school, higher education, who have, you know, memorized the entire scripture portion, they would go to rabbis and say, Rabbi, can I become a disciple? And the rabbi would say, uh, let me see if I can take you. Quote me Genesis 22 verse 5. You know, they would ask questions. The rabbi would test the disciple. And only if the rabbi was satisfied with the answers, rabbi would say, okay, come. You can be my disciple. You know, being a disciple is not being a student. Understand this, guys. Being a disciple is not somebody who is there to gain knowledge. For them, being a disciple was the person who has left his home at the age of 15. At what age? At the age of 15 till the age of 30. For 15 years, he is with his rabbi. All throughout. You know, they say like this, that the disciples were always muddied by the you know, dust that fell off from the rabbi's shoes because they would walk so closely with the rabbi. Wherever they would go, they were with the rabbi. Because you know what, what it meant to be a disciple? A disciple is not somebody who just learns. A disciple is somebody who wants to be exactly like the rabbi. What does it mean to be a disciple? A disciple is somebody who wants to be Exactly like the rabbi. So these guys, they would go to the rabbi and when they would say, oh, you know, can I become your disciple? What they're trying to say is, rabbi, do you see in me that I can become like you? That is what they're trying to say. Do you see in me that I can become like you? And then the rabbi would do these tests, right? And then their whole journey of 15 to 30 years, 15 years of them journeying together. Now think about Peter and Andrew, who could not even complete high school. They probably don't know the entire scripture portion. Uh, they are fishermen, uneducated. Jesus comes to them. When Jesus came to them, Jesus is already known as a healer and a rabbi.
he's already known as a proclaimed rabbi his popularity has already gone across towns and cities he comes to them and he tells them follow me no rabbi no rabbi in the history has asked has pursued disciples to say follow me because it is the disciples who go and choose their rabbis and the rabbis test these disciples to see if they are worthy enough to be like them but jesus comes to these uneducated people and he says hey follow me because i see in you that you have it in you to become like me <laughs> and that's why john 15 verse 16 jesus says hey you did not choose me i chose you you are not like the other disciples who chose the rabbi i chose you ha because i see in you i see in you the god component i see the image of god in you that that will make you to become like me in matthew 28 you know when jesus is leaving he says to his disciples hey make disciples of all nations and we think it's all about teaching and evangelization and all that he's saying just like i chose you because you can become like me make disciples of all nations and i'm telling you guys god has chosen you because he sees in you he sees in you it's not about the strength and the wisdom that he has he sees the image of god with which he created and he believes in you to say hey i know I know you can become like me. I know you can become like me because I know how I created you. I knew you even before you were in your mother's womb. Even before the foundation of the world, you were in my mind. I knew you. I knew you by which I created you. You were chosen. You are chosen. You are chosen to be like God, to be in the image of God. God has so much confidence in us. Think about this guys, you know these disciples, they were not very old. They were children. Did you know that? They were children. Most of these disciples were around the age of 15 to 19. Think about it. Think about it. A popular rabbi comes to them and says, "Hey, come and follow me." Think about it. What it does to children when somebody says, "Hey, I believe in you." <laughs> you were discarded from the society but i believe in you i choose you because i believe in you and here god is saying i choose you because i believe in you i believe in you because of the image that which you are created i believe in you <laughs> see we think we are saved when we believe in god but when we know that god believes in us it transforms us transforms us and today god is saying hey i chose you i chose you because i know the image with which you are created i know i know how i created you and i believe i believe it does not look perfect today but i am still working i am i am the one you are my masterpiece amen Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you. Ha! We thank you. Father, we thank you for you chose the weak, ha! The foolish, the lowly, the despised, to shame the strong and the wise of the world. And Father, we 
we boast in you saying that we are those foolish those weak the despised people of the world so that we can reveal your wisdom we can reveal your strength father we thank you that you have chosen us we did not choose you you chose us you chose us we were created in christ jesus oh what hope we have today because you are the one who chose us father i pray today that there will be not one who will listen to this word and again doubt in the security that you provide in this relationship there will be not one who will doubt in your faithfulness you chose us you chose us in jesus name we pray amen